Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday morning. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast. That's the hashtag LBP. Today, I am joined, as is per the usual, the standard, my captain, my co-host, a man whose Pinterest profile features classic motor oil ads. Welcome to the program, Ian. Phoning it in from San Diego. How you doing? Yeah, buddy, just changing the oil today, man. I promised myself I'd never do it again. It's like $34 down the street, and what am I doing? I'm laying under my new ride, getting hot oil on my hands, wasting time when I could be recording a podcast with you. Oh yeah. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, I'll teach you how to get massive traffic for your boring blog. I call it the traffic piggyback technique. And Ian and I are just about pros at getting traffic to boring blogs. Let's talk about the iTunes reviews. We've got a bunch of them this week. The LBP is the best podcast available. BJ Max says, listening to this will make you better at what you do. It's that simple. Google Mac says he thought he was lonely until he met the LBP and got to listen to Ian's voice every week. It's five stars from googlemat.com. Thank you so much. We, got, we talk about being lonely a lot, don't we, I guess? Yeah. You know, one time I even said to a mentor, I said, I feel like what I want to do is help to cure entrepreneurial loneliness. I was paraphrasing Matt's comment, but I really appreciate it and meant a lot to me, actually. Um, what else we got here? We got inspiring and insightful. We got Stella by D. Sturgis says, A plus. I hate writing reviews, but I'm happy to rate this podcast five out of five. Simply sensational. Benjamin Cameron says, this is the real deal. Unlike many keyboard jockeys out there, these guys are putting their money where their mouth is. Actually, I think Benjamin's surfing board is in our house here in Bali. So I think he owed us that review. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. And uh, we're not using your board, man, but uh, I guess we're leaving the house in mid-July, so... We yeah, last talk, time I ben. checked, there was a couple people's crap there, too. So uh, I think we're going to have a yard sale. Is that right? Yeah, we, I guess we should. Or either that or we'll drop off everything over at Tommy Schultz's house. Check out Tommy <laughs> Schultz's Bali surf photography. Stuff's the bomb. He's going to release pictures for bloggers who want to use their photography on their blogs. It's amazing, amazing photography. So uh, we'll link you over to Tommy Schultz. I also want to give a big shout to Andrew Warner over at Mixergy. Mixergy has been getting better. A-Dub. You think he minds if I call him A-Dub? I don't even know him. I think that's cool. Okay. So I, I think that Mixergy for me, I stopped listening to it a little bit because it felt non-sequitur. Like Agreed. every every day I'd listen to an, an episode and it was some entrepreneur who was just doing something random and it was like, eh, I, take it or leave it. But lately I've gotten back into it and it's just been amazing. Like he's really taking it to the next level and I'm not even sure what that means. He's going deeper somehow. I'm going to link to three interviews that I absolutely love. Jason Cohen at WP Engine. You got to listen to it. My boy Rob Walling, 
Uh, he did a wonderful, wonderful Mixergy interview. And there's also one from Robert, the founder of LivePerson.com. And he had two zingers in there. So good, in fact, I want to share them today. The first one is to back up our uh, the disclosure clause rant that we had a few episodes back. Let's take a listen. Yeah, so I see this all the time because I'll, I'll meet guys who have businesses and maybe we're looking at them and doing something strategic and, and they all have the same thing. Like they think you're going to steal their stuff. Like every entrepreneur thinks like, give me a non-disclosure. I need this. And they, they don't, they're not open about their product sometimes because they think they're going to get screwed. Like you're going to steal it. And I always try to – that's an, an entrepreneur's way. And I'm like, nobody really wants to steal your product because no one has the time to mess around with your product. And only you, only you know your product. So that, I think, really represents this entrepreneur, the small-time entrepreneur. Also in this really critical idea, Ian, and I love this, this final point that Robert, Robert's interview is so inspiring. You got to listen to it. A must listen. Check out uh, his idea about entrepreneurial survival. His idea here, Ian, is that your first idea isn't the one uh, that you're going to make it on. And so you have to survive through your first idea. And that's what happened with us. So let's take a quick listen. Your idea is probably four years out. And your job is to navigate and stay alive to get to the fourth year. The first idea is never the idea. I've never seen it except there's some stories like Facebook and stuff. But most people's first ideas are not the idea to make them successful. But they, they'll get there if they just stick around for four years, four or five years. On the fifth year, you kind of get the next next wave. We like that, Ian. That's pretty similar to the thousand day principle. What do you think? Very true. Yeah, very true. This has been very true for us. I think it's going to be true in the future too. I think you continue to reinvent yourself. Ryan asks us, I've been listening to the LBP podcast every week and I love you guys. We love you, Ryan. Shout out to, I'm actually was born near Philadelphia. So I got a little bit of love for Pennsylvania. Big Nittany Lion fan. I'm a full-time SEO consultant and work a minimum of 45 hours per week. This is a busy guy. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. And Ryan has had two failed partnership attempts. So he's tried to get people on board to help him out with everything he's trying to do. And people just haven't lived up to his expectations. So we got three pieces of advice for you, Ryan. Playing with partnerships is like playing with fire. You know, it can, it can blow up your business or it can blow up your business. <laughs> right. So three pieces of advice. Number one, Ryan, partner up. It's the same thing Jay Cal says when he says, pick fights up. Don't beat up on people that, you know, are less powerful than you. Fight up. Same thing with partnering. If you're going to do these partnerships of convenience to offload work or to get a little bit of money or to accelerate your business, consider partnering with someone more powerful than you rather than to bring somebody in that you totally control. Number two, consider doing what Ian and I are doing. Get married to your partner. Figure out someone that can be your best friend that you can work with every single day. We've seen this model work a lot where it's potato, potato. You have to have a lot of patience with the other person because you really have to build a life with them more than just a business. And we've seen that work in 50-50 type situations. Um, Ian, are you still happy with our partnership or are we going to be going into counseling here pretty soon? I'm very happy with it, but I I do think, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think counseling is really in the future, but I do think it's an option down the road if we get to that point. I would like to go to counseling before we break it off for sure. Yeah, we want, but, uh, we want to marriage make this model work. is working out very well for us. Finally, um, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I respect your opinion. You're a valued member of the team. Go on. That's why this partnership works so well. That's why I don't even think we're going to have to go to counseling ever. 
wow, I value your opinion. I see what you were saying there. Number three, Ryan, we, we, <laughs> we recommend that you get an accountability partner. It sounds like you just need somebody to partner up with that you can talk to every Friday and talk about how tough things are and how much work you got to do and to help reset your focus. I mean, having people in your life that can like look at what you're doing. I mean, uh, you know, I was talking to my friend Edmund here the other day, really smart dude. And I just went to him. I said, Edmund, what am I doing wrong? You know, what could I do better? And I just feel dumb right now. And he just told me something that absolutely, totally changed what we were doing and had an Im- immense impact. Um, that's Edmund from flagtheory.com. We should link over to flagtheory.com. Check out his site. And why don't you give him some feedback on that? We got a question from Real quick, John. Uh, Dan, real quick with this uh, Ryan uh, thing with a partnership. Yep. Uh, I think these are all good points of advice for Ryan. But the next question I would be asking if I was Ryan is where do I find these people? Um, and so where we found each other was we were kind of at like the same apex in our life. Um, we both like, uh, had a couple jobs here and we were kind of looking to do something like what was next, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we're at a very similar point in our life. So I think Ryan, you have to find somebody at a very similar point in their life as you wanting to go down the similar path, uh, that you might want to, uh, go down. Um, I think also the DC might be, uh, a good place to meet these kind of people. DC is decent. Try to convert people onto the phone, I think, and also play long ball with it. I mean... It took us, uh, Ian and I, a bunch of beers and a couple stereo installs before we decided we we're going to do this thing. I mean, it didn't happen yeah. like, oh yeah, you have a complimentary skill set to mine. Let's start a business. I mean, this is definitely like a, a year-long courtship. And I think yes. that you you want to figure that out because we're talking about you're going to go through some tough times with whoever you partner up with. And uh, it's not going to be some piece of paper that says you're 50-50 that's going to keep you 50-50. It's got to be a deeper bond than that. Um, Good so the, the next question uh, is from John. John's asking, how long should we wait to establish a business entity instead of receiving money in our personal account? Thanks for the question, John. Speaking of what, you know, by the way, the meat and potatoes today is all about taking advice and the top four pieces of advice that we have a difficult time translating, but think are very important. So by the way, as we're giving off a bunch of advice. So John, this is a complicated question to answer, but it's an important one. Because a lot of people are in this situation, they're doing what we call shoeboxing it. They're basically just dumping every receipt and every expense into a shoebox, and it's like, I will deal with this at the end of the year when it's tax time. That's a fair enough way to approach it. So, Ian, how do you decide the moment when you go from sole proprietor into stepping into the accountant's office? Uh, that's a very personal question, John. And we talked about this on the podcast a few episodes ago. One of the things that we would change, uh, I said that I would have gotten an accountant uh, involved in our business much sooner in the game. And I think that's still true. I still feel that way. And I think that's probably true for a lot of other people too. There's a lot of different shit flying around when you have a business and when you're bringing in money. And I'm not necessarily the guy that knows how to react and deal with that the best way. But there are professionals out there that study and do this every day. And so uh, I think it's just one of those, um, it's one of those professions, you know, you like, you got to have a lawyer in your life, you got to have a doctor in your life, and you got to have a tax man (laughs) in your life. Um, There's just certain shit that you shouldn't, or that you can't really figure out completely on your own and be 100% at. So I'm, at least not me. I'm not the smartest guy. So I, I get professionals involved. I think taxes is one of the things where you got to get somebody involved early. Well, the key terms, John, that I'm going to, uh, I would be equipped with thinking about this is uh, as like a sole proprietor making less than a hundred grand a year living in the United States, you want to think about self-employment tax 
And so you want to run the percentages on that versus the fees in both incorporation and accounting for setting up an S-corp, in which case you would avoid the self-employment tax. So that would be kind of the distinction that I would go to a tax accountant with, and I would sit down with a tax accountant. Even if that initial consultation is going to cost you two to $300, I think that's absolutely worth it. So go in there and have on the tip of your tongue self-employment tax. Um, obviously, there's a liability protection angle as well. That's what I'm going to go to that professional with, John. And I'd say have that meeting as soon as possible because this is the domain of entrepreneurship. Uh, you want to get these wheels greased. Today in the meat and potatoes, we are going to talk about the four pieces of advice that we consistently give that we don't translate very well. Like We see a lot of people hearing this advice, but not acting on this advice. So I think we kind of want to uh, go over these one more time and maybe even get the audience's advice back to us. And why aren't these things landing? Are, are, we, are we portraying them badly? Are, you know, are we not being compelling enough? Are we just outright wrong? So the title of this episode is called The Internet is Not a Business and the Drama Denominator. The number yeah, one buddy. piece of advice that we cannot translate to our audience is if you have limited resources and no track record, get a foothold in your market with hyper- hyper focus. So instead of starting an internet marketing blog, you should start a blog about opt-in optimization. This one, Ian, I got to be honest, this one will set me off on a rant. This one will drive me crazy because even people so close to me, people that I consider friends, they don't listen to me <laughs> on this one. And, and and they're screwing themselves, and they come. All back the names to, have been changed to protect the innocent, right? All the names have been. Let's say it's just, let's say it's this guy named Rick. Are they really innocent, though? <laughs> let's say it's a guy named Rick, and, and and Rick asks for my advice, and he hangs out with me, and I think we're friends, and then he goes off with his other friend Paul, and Rick and Paul decide that they're not going to listen to the advice, and they're going to start a broad brand. Because you never know where things could go, Ian. You never know right. the kind of opportunities that could come up. I don't want to listen to that Andrews guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about in any way. He's got a podcast called the Lifestyle Business Podcast. That's not even... <laughs> he's pot calling the kettle black, man. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about this a lot, man. In terms of like... Uh, well, I think the advice is solid, and, and we give this advice out a lot, which is like don't brand yourself as some like guru kind of broad guru, right? It's like reel it in and uh, decide what your niche is and go after it. You I mean, you got to understand like this is such an incredible luxury to do a podcast called the Lifestyle Business Podcast. When we started this thing two and a half years ago, we had $30,000 a month in monthly revenue, right? So we had a ton, what I saw was a ton of credibility. Um, we were actively traveling the world at the time. We had overseas staff. We had China going on. We had Vietnam going on. We had the Philippines going on. Um, you know, and we, we were podcasting. I was looking for the first four months, we had about 30 people listening to our show. I mean, there's no reason for somebody to listen to the next internet marketer guy. You have to have a track record to be able to do that. Now, the way to get a track record is to become the world leading expert on opt-ins. You know, Andrew Warner needs opt-in support. I need opt-in support. Listen to any blog, any podcast, they need opt-ins. The money's in the list, all this kind of dogma, but no one's really helping me. What's the best way to get people on the list? Who's done the hard, heavy lifting? If you're a young person, if you don't have a track record right now and you want to get your start, bench press that for me. Give me the optimized, split-tested, research, scientific, mofo form, the verbiage. 
Because every blogger knows that they need to do this, right? Yeah. And no one's solving this problem. You know, Glenn Alsop took a swing at this problem a couple weeks ago with the opt-in skin plugin and absolutely crushed it because this is a pain point. And I think mm-hmm. there's an opportunity here. And the opportunity is not for you to start an internet marketing brand. That's what happens two years from now when your opt-in site is freaking crushing it. Number exactly. two piece of advice that nobody takes from us is that you have three seconds to tell people what you do, not three minutes. There is this indulgence, you know, people, they want to make sure they don't leave anything out. And in doing so, you never get people's attention in the first place. You have to understand how little people care about you and your new business and your new brand. They absolutely have no attention for it. And it's the same fear. And you need to banish this fear. People feel like if I tell them I do this one specific thing in three seconds, I'll lose the people that want to have all the other eight things that I do. Yep. This is a fallacy. It's, it's, these people don't care about the eight things that they do, that you do, and they won't stick around to listen to it, so they'll never know. That's right. Uh, this applies to sales pages. This applies to conversations. Uh, this applies to a lot of things. Um, I, you know, this is a, this is a, a, a tricky point, I think, but it does fall into the same category as the first one, which is you can't be everything to everybody, so don't try, right? Know exactly what you're going after, know exactly who your target audience is, and just pitch to them. If it's not big enough for you, find another market to get into. But uh, I don't think trying to cast your net wide, if it's got a lot of big holes in it, is really going to work. I mean, you're not going to catch the right kind of fish. You're trying you know, to catch these little... There's this, this interesting like seesaw of balance between focusing on your marketplace and focusing on you. A lot of new entrepreneurs, they want to solve their problems, actually, which is like, hey, I want to be heard. I want all my products to be out there. I want to make sure people are listening and understand what I'm doing. Well, your market, they don't care about you. They don't care about what you're doing and what your smorgasbord of options are in your business. What they have is a pain point, and they want a simple way to solve it. If you simply solve a specific problem, that's when you earn their attention that's when you get the three minutes, and that's when those hungry customers come to your buffet of value. All right, number three, <laughs> you, you are the common denominator, and only you can take responsibility and solve the problems in your life and business. Ian has dubbed this the drama denominator. Yes, the drama <laughs> denominator. We know a lot of these people. They're just like the center of drama. And so I'm going to try and flush this idea out here uh, that we were talking about earlier. It's like you're at the bottom, as an entrepreneur, you're at the bottom of the mountain, right? And uh, there's a village at the top, and you're trying to make it to the village at the top. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of villagers at the base of the mountain uh, that want you to carry a bunch of shit up to the top for them to bring to their <laughs> their their. Uh, <laughs> You know, the side village up there, whatever, they're, uh, the other village. And so you got a guy with a canteen, you got a guy with a tent, you got a guy with a whatever. Everybody's trying to pile crap on your pack, but your main objective has to be to get to the top of that mountain. And so I think this is, uh, this is a metaphor for like, you know, emotional baggage, 
things like that. Like as you have as as an entrepreneur, there's going to be people around you in your life that you have to deal with while you're trying to get to the top of that entrepreneurial mountain. And you just have to decide how much crap you can take on and still make it to the top of the mountain. Cuz that's, that's exactly your main it. focus is to that's, get to the top of the mountain. That's exactly it. Like there's 6 or 7 billion people on the planet all of which have a point of view about something they want. They all have wants and desires. They all, uh, the ones that know you have wants and desires relative to you and your projects. And it's up to you how much you take them on. It's absolutely up to you. And the, 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 the thing about it is I think entrepreneurs, they need to own this, right? So, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I can't do this because of my kids, and I can't do this because of my mortgage. And I can't do this because of my father-in-law. And I can't do this because of this other business partnership that I cut. That's you. That's not them. Okay? And I think that that's the critical thing is you need to own that 100%. Every canteen, every tent that you put into that pack, that's fine. You can drag as much crap up the mountain as you want. But know that you're the common denominator in all those relationships. You're the person who's taken on that responsibility and you're solely responsible for it. And I don't see, I see enough, I see a lot of people pointing to that person, that villager in your uh, incredibly illustrious metaphor, you know, <laughs> pointing to that villager and saying, well, he wanted me to carry the, the canteen. And, and that right there, that's not an entrepreneurial move. As no. an entrepreneur, as a person with the vision as a person that knows the reason you're trying to get up and knows the resources required that you need to get up there, um, it's a sign of the resistance. It really is. It's an excuse. And you take on that requirement as much as you want to, but if you do, you got to own it. And that's the drama denominator. You are the common denominator in the problems in your life. And it's very <laughs> difficult to see that about ourselves. And, and I'm sure we all, we all have our stuff. And it's just sometimes it's cool to sit down and, and just try to figure out, Ian, what are the blind spots right now? And that, man, I would love that, you know, that conversation with Ed that I was telling uh, the listeners about and you about earlier, where it's like, I just didn't, I didn't see that opportunity. You know, that was a blind spot. It took Ed to tell me, you should do this. And I was like, wow, man, that's great. It's when you can see those blind spots, that's an exciting time. Number four piece of advice that we cannot get across is that a niche site is not a business. Okay? The internet is not a business, it's not an ATM, and it's not a slot machine. What? It's a, it's a tool through which you express yourself and operate your business. <laughs> yes. Here's the thing. A niche site is a small distribution channel for a high-value product, or it's an outlet in a large system or process that you've created for gathering eyeballs and selling advertising. So let's break this down. So let's say I got a site and it's about eyeglasses or maybe it's about uh, UV protection from the sun. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, maybe we should start this site. Okay. So I think you could have a niche site uh, and it's about UV protection from the sun. It's all about how to protect your eyes from the sun. And you talk about polarized sunglasses, you talk about sunglasses, you talk about not even going outside at all. That's the abstinence model, by the way. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't work, I hear. uh, Can't get get those kids to stay out of the sun. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's a niche site. And then so what do you do with that site after you've built that site? Well, you got a couple options. I think uh, one of the options is you can press down the value chain. So you can eventually start to sell sunglasses to people. Uh, You can sell polarized sunglasses. You can sell designer sunglasses. You can sell a bunch of different sunglasses to people. So that would be the authority site model. What's the next model? 
Well, I think the next model is to teach people how to build sites like you're doing just there. (laughs) (laughs) That's good too. But there's a third model, which is the process-oriented model, which is to take the DNA of success from that niche site and scale it ridiculously. And that's what guys like the AdSense Flippers do. That's what guys like Spencer Hawes does. So let's look at an example like Spencer. And I think this is an interesting one because Spencer is like a internet expert on niche sites. And um, he's got a really interesting site. I think it's called nichepursuits.com. So we'll link over to Spencer's site. And, and the thing about Spencer is he's got like a whole portfolio of sites. And that's what you need to do if you're going to be in the niche site business. You either need to do what Ian said, go down the authority model and push down the value chain. You know, If you have a UV protection, you're freaking throwing UV seminars. You know, every UV producer. I mean, that's authority. That's not some ebook on the sidebar. We're talking about, you know that industry. And the other option is to pull out the process of success. That's what guys like Spencer does. And, you know, Spencer might have, I don't know, I don't, I, I think he's got like 50 or 100 sites or something like that. And he's got this one site that he won't tell anybody about. And it's like the bomb, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, man, this thing is the bomb. I like stumbled on it. It was a little bit of luck, but you know, I'm like really smart and I've done this for a really long time. You want to take a guess, Ian, about how much the bomb site makes every month? Oh, I don't even know. I'm not in that business. Thousand bucks. That's the bomb. That's like the bomb site that he got lucky and he like stumbled onto. And he's like, whoa, it's a pot of gold, man. So I think people like what we're seeing with entrepreneurs is like the niche site path is so legible. And that's awesome. I think it's a great way to get started. That's why I love the AdSense flippers because you can go to the AdSense flippers. You can buy 10 sites from them, right? And then you can see the performance metrics and you can make two decisions. Number one, sell nine of them and choose the one and double down and become the uh, baby stroller boss and absolutely know everything about it. And then the second thing is to pull out the DNA of success and turn it into a process. You will not live your dream lifestyle from five AdSense sites. It's not going to happen. So unless those are authority sites and you're like Matt Paulson from last episode and you're turning these things into authority resources um, that you're putting advertising against. So that's my final piece of advice that I just can't get people to take. So I don't know. It's probably me. It's, it always is me. It's my fault. It's probably you. You are probably the drama denominator. I am the drama denominator. Let's get moving on to the quick tips, tricks, and or Ian's jokes are dirty. Today, yes, I want are. to talk about something that Francis from the DC sent me. I hung out with Francis in DC. He was a great host. We ate chicken rice together. I love Singapore, dude. I was there and I ate four times in one day. I just That's what you do in Singapore is you put your face in food. It's awesome. He told me to check out ByWord app. That's at bywordapp.com. You can find it on the Apple uh, app store. We were talking about the difference between Rightroom and OmWriter, which is a, a, a one that people like to use. But I've been using uh, this, this, this ByWord app today and I actually like it better than OmWriter. And the reason is that OmWriter is really heavy. And it doesn't have the cool typey sounds, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a really slick interface. It's a really sweet program, um, real clean. So I like it better than Rightroom. And uh, so I think that's going to be my new horse. So everybody check out Buy Word App. And that's basically for brain dumps and producing a ton of content at once. And this is, uh, this is basically so you don't get distracted by the internets? Yeah, it's, 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 it basically blanks off your whole screen and gives you like a really zen 
writing environment. Like I like to have a black screen, for example, so it doesn't hurt my eyes. I can just sit there for a few hours and really work out my thoughts. And then when I want to edit it, I can turn it, you know, move it into WordPress or into Google Docs. Next quick tip, I promised that I'd share with you guys the traffic piggybacking technique. I've done this twice on my blog so far, which is basically... It's a technique that I think is, you know, when I tell people, you know, don't start an internet marketing blog, start a opt-in blog, or, you know, don't start a, uh, you know, a self-help blog, start a how to get a college loan blog. And they're always worried about, you know, how can I get traffic for that? Or how can I make interesting content for that? And one of the things you can do is you can find things that are happening in the internet. You know, you can go to places like Reddit, Hacker News, Twitter, um, What's that website that's like uh, BuzzFeed? You know, these kinds of sites. Mm-hmm. Go there. See what's happening on the internet. And then comment on it, attack it, make a derivative claim, rip, pivot, and jam it. So that's what I did. So I have done this twice. And so I did this last night as an example. I rip, pivoted, and jammed a, a viral article last week. And in the last 10 hours, I've received 40 tweets, 25 likes, and over 2,000 visitors to the website. And um, basically what I found was a viral article that happened last week that Mm -hmm. was uh, in the self-help space. And I copied the format of the article. So I ripped it. I pivoted it. And I said, I'm not a self-help guy. I'm an entrepreneur guy. And then I jammed it. And I drank some coffee and I wrote the article. (laughs) And And sure enough, I got 40... Uh, tweets, you know, so it, it went well. Um, the other example that you can take a look at of me doing this as a blogger was with the 100 rules of building a business from anywhere or something like that. Um, yep. J- James Aldiker put up this post and it was great. And I just ripped the thing off. I said, fine. If, and, and this is part of this concept of, um, and Gillibo wrote this in his, his new book, The $100 Startup. He said, uh, it's very simple. Sell what people are buying. Yeah, right. and this is very simpler, and this is uh, something that goes on all the time, whether you notice it or not. But I don't know if you notice this, Dan. I'm sure you do because we're talking about it right now. Uh, <laughs> waves happen on Hacker News. A site like Hacker News, it's like all all this week, all we're going to talk about is how VCs are are jerks, or all we're going to talk about is yeah. uh, you know whatever. It doesn't matter. But all this stuff comes in waves. Somebody write an article, and then ten people write ten o- other articles, and then all of a sudden there'll be a wave. So yeah. And it's like understanding like how content's interesting to people. There, you know, there is just so much opportunity to look at the Huffington Post and then to, to, to provide commentary, to filter content, to pull it together, to provide your point of view. Um, and so I love this idea of piggybacking on, look, the people of the internet have spoken. They want to hear about VCs this week. So how about you pony up the WordPress and write an article about your opinion about what's going on about VCs. You're selling what they're buying and you'll probably get some traffic. Finally, speaking of traffic, Ian, I don't know if I've fully expressed to you how obsessed I am with the airline industry. Uh, you know, both of us fly. I mean, we're, we've, you know, we've been on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flights. Um, we're constantly flying around. I just am obsessed by, um, you know, the manufacturers and the organization and everything that happens. And so I've found, recently found some amazing websites if you're interested in airlines as well. So Yes, I was actually looking today for my ticket to the Philippines uh, for our Tropical MBA summer sessions. Cool. And uh, man, we need some more solutions for our airlines. <laughs> what do you got? Well, uh, I think the 
there's a bunch of great sites out there. So two that I would point you to is flightglobal.com. If you're generally interested in the airline industry, this is the best site I've found so far. That's like just a big, huge honking resource with all kinds of news articles about what Boeing's up to and what Airbus is up to and what the new Hong Kong airport's going to be like. Um, if you're interested in discussing topics with people that know a ton about stuff, check out airliners.net. This is an amazing forum where actual pilots, captains, crew members, they're on this forum discussing the nitty-gritty details of different models of airplanes, different terminals at international airports, absolutely a geek out stuff. And then there's this great individual blog, and this is an example of why I love the blogosphere. There's this blog called askcaptainlim.com, and this guy <laughs> is a pilot for AirAsia, and you know he used to be an Air Force pilot, and now he's like 63, and he writes this blog where he just answers people's questions, and it's just so cool. Like, so I absolutely love askcaptainlim.com. We're gonna start up a new segment because I believe this is fair use. Ian and I every week are gonna play you guys out and share with you some productivity jams, music that we're working to. This week, it's Wilco. It's a song called Theologians. I recently downloaded their whole back catalog. And Wilco's one of my favorite bands of all time. And if you want to get the feeling of care, if you want to understand what it means to care about your work, go no further than Wilco. It's very difficult to hear more care um, coming through the art than when you hear these guys. And when you sit and you listen to the spaces that they create, like you're listening to right now, absolutely. Magic. Oh, right. boy. Just go and download it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining me. I'll catch up with you next Thursday. Booyah. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.